And uh, we're excited to be together. Uh, my name is Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here, if I haven't got a chance to uh, meet you. So again, welcome. want to uh, give a special shout out to H2O Akron, who's joining us via video today. And we are continuing on. We're actually wrapping up this four-week series that we started the year with that we've been calling Goals. If you remember back at the beginning of the year, we started off this series and we talked a lot about the reality as we head into a new year, there's new opportunities. There's new beginnings, and we base this series around the idea that many of us, we set goals, we make resolutions, we try to become the people that we think that God wants us to be, and so as a church, we decided to kind of jump on board with that reality that, that happens with many of us, and so we called this series Goals because we're talking through uh, really our core values as a church. What we believe that God wants us to be as a church, who we believe God wants us to be, and what that means for you as an individual as part of this church. And so it's been a really fun series, and, and we've talked through these, these different, last three weeks, these different goals or core values. First week, we talked about the idea that we want to be a church, and we want you to be people that are centered in the Bible, that are rooted in the Bible. And then the, the second week, we talked about the idea that we want to be a church that's empowering, that, that invites everybody to use the gifts that God has given them to make uh, this church family be the most successful church family that it can be. And so we talked about how we want to empower you and how we want you to empower others through that. And then last week we talked about authentic community and how we believe one of the, the goals that we have and, and a core part of who we are as a church is we are a family of people, uh, of people that actually care for each other and go beyond the, the surface level into the depths of who we are. And, and so that that is an extremely, part of, extremely important part of who we are as a church. And so that brings us to our fourth core value, our fourth goal, as we're wrapping up this series today. And the fourth goal, the, the fourth core value that we have here at H2O is grit. The fourth core value that we have is grit. So we have, uh, we're biblically based. We want to be a church that empowers people. We want to be a church that is centered in community. And we want to be a church that is gritty. And as you think about that, you're like, wow, that's a little bit different than the first three, right? I mean, as you, you think about that word grit, maybe you've heard of it before. Maybe it's a word that's kind of floating around out there. It's actually a word that's getting a lot of traction within the, the field of education and the field of business. But it's a word that we don't talk about all that often in the church, and I think that it's kind of a shame on many different levels. But grit is simply this. Angela Duckworth, she's a, a psychologist that talks and writes a lot about this topic. She defines grit as this. It's a passion and a perseverance to reach long-term goals, okay? So a passion and a perseverance to reach long-term goals. And as people have been studying this topic and, and getting into it even more recently, here's what's really interesting about this term grit that we're going to talk about today. Uh, what psychologists and people who study this have found is that your ability to be a person of grit, your ability to be somebody who is gritty, actually is a better indicator of the type of success that you will have in education or in business than your IQ or your talent. Okay, so your, your ability to stick to a long-term goal and vision is a way better indicator of whether you will actually reach those goals or not than how talented you are or how smart you are. It's how committed you are to that goal. And so we uh, as a church have actually had this as a core value of ours for an extremely long time since our church has been in existence. And I think that I'm excited today 
to talk about that topic. Uh, as we think about that word, you know, maybe you've heard it before, or maybe you're still kind of just getting it defined for you. Um, when, I, when I was in college, I worked my way through college, like a lot of us do. And so uh, the primary job that I had uh, was working construction. And you think about a job that like it just you know exudes that term grit. It was this job that I had, and so uh, I worked for a mason. And so what we would do is we would build basements and foundations. So anytime I was home on break or home for the summer, I would go back and I would work for this guy. And it was a, a job that required you to get dirty. It was a job that required you to work hard. It was a job that required you to get messy. And uh, I, I had a boss at the time. He was uh, I really respect him. I really look up to him. Um, um, he's somebody who had a lot of these great one-liners that I still say to this day. And uh, he was actually a, a really smart guy. He went to college, got his master's, and uh, graduated, but couldn't find a job. So he just built a house because he didn't have anything else to do. And then like 30 years later, he just kept building houses. So he didn't like plan to be somebody who is a construction worker or own a construction business. It just kind of happened. And he was at this point in his life where uh, it was really highly educated, had a lot of things. But what he was passionate about was, was building houses. And so I got to work from him and learn a lot from him. And one of the phrases that, that he said that I think kind of epitomizes this term in some ways is uh, he would yell at us because he had to kind of put on the persona of being a construction worker. And there's a lot of yelling and stuff like that oftentimes. And so uh, if people weren't working, uh, weren't working as hard as he wanted them to, he would kind of look at us and he'd be like, hey, dummy, work harder, not smarter. All right? Hey, work harder, not smarter, you know? And he would always kind of yell this phrase to us. And the, the, the idea was, I'm not paying you to talk. I'm not paying you to think. I'm paying you to work. And so this one time, we were, we were loading up a bunch of supplies. At the end of the day, we'd have to load up pickup trucks with blocks and, you know, planks and boards and wheelbarrows. And, uh, and I was, you know, working pretty hard trying to get the truck loaded so that we could go home. And uh, as we were throwing all the, the planks and the the blocks and everything, the last thing I needed to put on the truck was this wheelbarrow. And so I grabbed the wheelbarrow and I threw it up onto the truck. And as I threw it up onto the truck, it slid and went right through the, the back glass of, uh, of this pickup truck. I'm like, oh, darn it. You know, I just broke this guy's truck. He's going to be mad. He's going to have to dock my pay. And so I went over to him and said, I need to see what I, I just did. I, I broke the truck. And and so he walked over, he looked at it, and I said, if you have to, you know, dock my pay, that's totally fine. I, I totally understand. He's like, well, were you working hard? And I was like, yeah, I was working hard. I threw a wheelbarrow through the windshield, you know? I mean, that's, that's, and he's like, all right, I always tell you, work harder, not smarter. But this next time, just work a little bit smarter, okay? <laughs> just work a little bit smarter. And so oftentimes when we think of grit, we just think of the ability to work hard. But listen, it's more than just that. It's way more than just that. It's way more than just working hard in a, in a specific moment. It's way more than just being mentally tough in a moment. Grit embraces and challenges over the long haul. And grit is this idea that we will never quit until we achieve the goals that we've set or that we believe that God has set for us no matter how long it takes. So we have this tenacious commitment to the mission that we believe God has given us. So I want to make a transition here, right? Because oftentimes, if we think about that word, it's a word that much of our world uses. Again, the church hasn't talked about it that much. And I think it's a little bit of a disservice. But I think the reason the church hasn't talked about it that much is because there's something different for us as believers in Christ when we take that term on. You know, so much of the world, when we think about working hard or grit, we think about it's all about us. 
How much can I push through? How much can I do? How much can it, it fall on my shoulders and I pull myself up by my bootstraps and I make something of myself? But as we think about it as a church, we've kind of changed the word from grit to gospel grit. Because gospel grit allows us to come to this realization that every single thing that we do is based in the reality of what Jesus has done for us in the gospel. Okay, and so we don't have to trust in ourselves. In fact, that's something that we oftentimes push back against here at H2O is this idea of self-reliance and that it's all about me or it's all about us and what we can do. We can rest in what's been done for us on the cross through Jesus Christ. Okay, and so gospel grit is a realization that God has a mission. God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to this earth to die for us, to live for us. He went to the cross. He rose again. He defeated death. And his goal is to reunite us with that original, beautiful plan that God has for us. And the amazing thing is, God invites us to be a part of that mission. He says, you and I, we get to be a part of reclaiming humanity to the original place in the garden to bring us back into that intimate relationship that God longs to have with each one of us. And so gospel grit is us saying, listen, we want to do whatever it takes to be on mission with God. And so here's the big idea for today. The big idea is this. Gospel-centered grit is the willingness to do whatever it takes to accomplish the mission God has given us. Gospel grit is the, the, the willingness to do whatever it takes to accomplish the mission God has given us. And this is one of the things I love so much about this church. This is one of the things that I get passionate about because as I look around the room, as I see our leaders, as I see our staff, as I see people who are here, I'm amazed at the commitment that they have to partnering with God, to invite people to find and follow Jesus with us. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I say this a lot. I, I say it kind of jokingly, but definitely seriously as well. You know, when we talk about the leadership at H2O, uh, this obviously includes myself. There is no doubt that, that this church isn't always led by the most talented people in the world. There, there's no doubt that this church isn't always led by the smartest people in the world. Now, sometimes it's led by the best-looking people in the world, like right now, okay? You got to give us that one. But, but there, there is no doubt that, that when we think about what God has done in this church, it's simply been a result of his amazing grace and goodness towards us. And it's not because of how smart we are or how talented we are or how great we are. It's because we've been able to say, God, we want to partner with you in what you're doing, and we will do whatever it takes to be on mission with you. And man, there is nothing more beautiful than that. And so today, I want to look at these four different things that, that we would define gospel grit as. And, and I think throughout the message today, there, there's some, going to be some things for you to take away and think even on a personal level. Is this something that I'm living out? Is this something that I'm actually applying to my life as God wants me to be part of his mission of redeeming humanity? So we're going to start in Colossians chapter 3. You can open up your Bibles there if you have a Bible. Colossians chapter 3. In verse 23, it says this. It says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord, a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. See, the first thing is this. Gospel grit is about faithfulness. Gospel grit is about 
faithfulness. See, here at H2O, we try not to judge our success or our failure on the results of what happens. We try to judge our success or our failures based on how faithful we've been to being the men and women that God has called us to be. And here, as Paul is writing this church, he says, listen, whatever you do, I don't care what your job is. I don't care what your profession is. I don't care what you're doing. Whatever you do, do it as if you're working for the Lord. Not just for a human boss, not just for a human master, but literally, you are working for the Lord. You see, faithfulness is such an important attribute for those of us who want to follow Jesus and to make him known. And sometimes that requires us to work harder than we want to in those moments. Sometimes that requires us to push through our emotions or our feelings and be faithful even in spite of our desires to not be faithful at all. We say this phrase around here at H2O pretty often. I think it's an important phrase. We say that God's grace is not opposed to effort. It's just opposed to earning. Okay, so God's grace isn't opposed to effort. God's grace is only opposed to earning. And why we say that so often is because many times people look at the church and they think that things are just supposed to magically happen in our spiritual lives. They think that people are just supposed to to magically get reached or that we're even just supposed to to magically grow closer to God. No, the reality is our, our spiritual lives, they take effort. Our ability to accomplish the mission that God has called us to, it takes faithfulness on our part. Of course, all the work is God's, but we partner with him, and he's given us a role to be faithful. And so our desire is that we would be faithful with what he's given us. Some of us have more talent than others. Some of us have more smarts than others. No matter what you have, you can be faithful with what God has given you. That's all that God asked for us to do. He doesn't ask us to have the results. He's in charge of the results of what happens. We're in charge of the faithfulness that we have in order to serve alongside God. You know, again, sometimes we get this concept confused in the church. There's there's this other verse in 2 Thessalonians. It's kind of harsh. It's kind of direct, actually. But uh, I think it kind of hits to the point that Paul's talking about with faithfulness. It's in 2 Thessalonians chapter uh, 3. It says this, Paul's talking about people who aren't quite willing to be faithful or work. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, he says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who's unwilling to work shall not eat. <laughs> you know? And so they're having this problem with laziness in their church and in their culture. And Paul says, hey, it's really simple. If someone's not willing to be faithful, they're not going to be able to eat. A little bit of a different time back then. But I think that we can apply that to our lives right now and say, are you being faithful with what God's given you? So think about that just on a personal level. Maybe you're a student here, you know, and you're going to class day in and day out. Are you going to class? This is going to get uncomfortable. Are you going to class? And as you're sitting there in front of your professor, you're saying, I'm going to try to ace this class, not even because I'm going to try to impress the professor, but because I'm going to school and I'm serving God with this part of my life right now. And so I'm going to give it everything I have. Maybe you're not an A student. Maybe you can't get an A. That's all right. I'm going to give it everything I have in order to bring God glory. That's humbling to think about, but Paul tells us that needs to be our mindset. Maybe you're you're here and you're working a job that you're just not that passionate about in life right now. You know what? That's okay. Sometimes we have those seasons in our life. And so are you willing to go to work and listen to the words that Paul tells us in Colossians and say, as you go there, say, it's not about impressing my boss. It's like I'm working for the Lord. 
I'm working for him as I'm here. No matter what your job is that you're in right now, I'm working for him, so I'm going to give it everything I have because people will notice and God will give me opportunities as I take that faithfulness into consideration. So I want to ask you, are you taking the words of the Bible seriously when Paul says everything you do, work at it as if you're working for the Lord? That's one of our goals here at H2O. Whether it's standing up here and preaching, whether it's making the coffee, whether it's serving on campus, whatever the case is, that we're always trying to be faithful to go the next step to accomplish the mission that God has given us. So gospel great, it's about faithfulness. Let's look at the second thing. It's in Psalms chapter 56. You can turn there with me if you want. Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. It says this. It says, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust, and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? See, secondly, gospel grit is about courage. Gospel grit is about courage. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. This week, we were hanging out at the Wiles family house. We're sitting around the dinner table. We like to try to have deep conversations around the dinner table. It doesn't always work, <laughs> but sometimes we do. And so we were sitting there eating dinner and uh, asked the, the age-old question that a lot of parents ask their kids, hey, did anybody learn anything cool at school today? You know, and uh, a lot of times the answer is no. But this day, uh, Allison, our 11-year-old, she said, yeah, actually I did. We're in science class right now, and we're, we're learning about the universe. And it's, it's pretty amazing. And she starts telling us about the universe, and she starts telling us, I have to look at my note because I'm not even sure about it. Oh, yeah, that in 5 billion years, the sun is going to turn into a red giant. And that the sun is going to then gradually suck the rest of the solar system into the sun. You know, and so she's starting to tell us about this thing that she's learning in science. Now, the other dynamic that's happening at this time is we have a six-year-old. And our six-year-old is going through this developmental phase where he's starting to realize that the world isn't as safe as he once thought it was. Uh, you know, kids start to, to realize that around that same age. And so... Allison's really excited about how the sun in five billion years is going to suck the solar system into itself. And Isaac's just sitting there and his eyes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we look over and Isaac's like sniffling a little bit. I don't want the sun to suck the earth into the sun. And we're like, no, 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 it's okay, buddy. You know, it's five billion years from now. Jesus is going to come back before that. It's, don't, it's probably not going to happen. He's like, I don't want it to happen. And we're like, well, well, listen, we'll be dead by then anyway. And he's like, we'll be dead. You know, I don't want to be dead. And so we're, we're having this conversation uh, around the dinner table that started asking what happened at school and turns into this existential, you know, long conversation with the six-year-old about uh, Jesus coming back and, uh, and the solar system getting sucked into this. And so my son, he's like starting to realize the world isn't as safe as he once thought it was, you know? And a lot of us, we have that realization a lot, don't we? A lot of us deal with the, the reality of fear because so much is out of our control and, and so much can happen. And so as we think about the idea of pushing into that, gospel grit requires us to be 
courageous. You know, fear is one of the biggest things that, that hinders us from doing what God is calling us to do. We talked about this a couple weeks ago as we talked about being empowered. But as we talked about it, I heard so many people resonating with that concept. And so God's word tells us that we can have courage in face of the uncertainty that we, in, in the uncertainty that we face in life because the reality is God is in control. C.S. Lewis, many of you have heard of him, maybe read some of his books, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he's talking about Aslan, who represents Jesus, who represents God, and, and he says this, he says, Aslan, he is not safe, but he is good. He is not safe, but he is good. And listen, I would be lying to stand up here and tell you that everything in life, that everything you want to go after, that everything you want to happen will actually come to be. That may not be the case. Being the people that God wants us to be takes courage, and it will probably lead us to fail from time to time. But you know what? We can get back up knowing that in God we can trust in him, that he has a plan, that he will use even our brokenness and even our failures and even our shortcomings, and he will take them and redeem them and make them new, even the things that have been so hard for us, even maybe even things that have been said to us or done to us that are so extremely hurtful that take courage to face and deal with. God isn't happy about those things, but he can redeem them, and he can use them for his mission and for his good. And so as we think about that, there may be some of us that God is calling to take a step of faith, and that will take courage, but man, I can tell you, it is worth it. It is so worth it. Gospel grit, it's about courage. Third, I want to look at a passage in, in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 through 29. Just to give you some quick context, Paul is going to list uh, this variety of things that he's been through for the sake of the gospel. And what Paul is saying in this time is, hey, I'm not bragging in my strengths. I'm going to brag about my weaknesses because I want you to see that God can use anybody so in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, Paul says this, Are they servants of Christ? Am I out of my mind to talk like this? I am more. I have worked much harder. I have been in prison more frequently. I have been flogged more severely. I have been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day in the open sea. I have been... Uh, constantly on the move, I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled. I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food. I've been cold. I've been naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of the concern for all the church. So who is weak? And do I, do I not feel weak? Who is led into sin? I do not inward, and do I not inwardly burn? See, third, gospel grit is about perseverance. Gospel grit is about perseverance. There are times in life where things don't go the way that we want them to. And in those moments, we have two different choices. We can turn from God and run from God and say, God, how dare you let this happen to me? 
or we can persevere like Paul. And he gives this list of all these things that he signed up for and that he kept coming back for and persevering for because he loved Jesus. Because he loves God and he would do anything to be on mission with God. See, we live in a world that wants results right away, right? It's kind of one of the blessings and the curses of our culture in 2018. We can have things exactly when we want them. If I want a cheeseburger, I can have one in 37 seconds, you know? That's the world that we have created, and there's some fun things about that. But the challenge is we think that we deserve that sometimes now. And Paul says, no, there's some things you have to wait for. There's some things you have to persevere through. There's some things that take some time. But trust in God in those moments. We also live in a world that says, take the path of least resistance. Okay? And so much of us, so many times in our world, it's like, hey, just find the easiest thing to do that can make you the most happy and the most comfortable and pursue that thing. And then you'll have the good life. But Paul's like, I'm not having any of that. Shipwrecked, stoned, persecuted, beaten, but it's worth it. It's worth it because I'm living for something way more than that. I'm not living for the path of least resistance. I'm living for Jesus. And so as we think about that and apply it to our own lives, the question is, are we living for the, the path of least resistance or are we following the plan that God has called us to? Because that's what gospel grit is really all about. You know, there are times where we will have to persevere through hard circumstances. I can tell you, being in ministry for almost 15 years now, there have been times as a church where we've had to persevere through things. Life happens. Ministry gets messy. You know, things don't always work out the way that you want them to. Sometimes there's criticism. Sometimes it's unfounded. Sometimes there's heartbreak. Sometimes people bail on you. Sometimes there's conflict. Sometimes I make mistakes. Sometimes you make mistakes. All those things we have to persevere through. But if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus... We can say, God, we are not going to take our eyes off the mission that you're calling us to. That's what gospel grit is all about. It's about perseverance. Maybe uh, some of you guys know Bill Gates, right? Bill Gates, he's not, not a Christian writer. He's not a, not a pastor. But Bill Gates is a pretty smart man. And all, of, all truth is God's truth, right? And so Bill Gates says this. He says, most people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. Again, we want results instantly. Most people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. And so God may be calling you to stay on a path, on a mission, to move, whether it's on your personal life, whether it's on your individual walk with God. Maybe God is taking you on a journey that's going to take some time, or us as a church. It's been amazing to see what God has done in 10 years. We talk about the H2O Network. It started uh, a little under 10 years ago. In 2008, we were one church of under 200 college students. And that's all that we were. And we had this dream and this vision that maybe we could start a network. Maybe we could be a church that multiplies and, and reaches college towns around the state of Ohio. And that dream felt almost impossible 10 years ago. I remember talking about it and thinking, oh, man, if God could even help us to do, you know, just a couple of church plants, it would be insane. It would be amazing. And now as we stand here at the end of year one, we would have never thought that we'd be where we are. But now there's nine different H2Os, almost 2,000 people that gather every Sunday. And we look back to the humble beginnings and think, God, you did something amazing. You did something amazing. You're continuing to do something amazing. And it's so powerful 
And we're so thankful to be a part of it. Gospel grit takes perseverance. Final thing is this. Mark chapter 10. Maybe you've been reading through Mark with us. As we started the series, we asked us to to read through the book of Mark to get to know Jesus a little bit better. Probably just wrap that up if you read through it with us. This is one of the verses that stood out to me. I love this section. Mark chapter 10, verse 42. said, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentile lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, fourth, gospel grit is about sacrifice and service. Gospel grit is about sacrifice and service. And again, I'm so thankful to be part of this church family. Every day, every week, I see countless examples of this. People sacrificing and serving. I think about our our staff. They're heroes of the faith to me. They go out and raise support. That takes grit. That takes courage. That takes guts to be able to do what we do here. I think about our volunteers who give so faithfully of their time. And all of it is to try to walk and follow in the footsteps of Jesus himself. Can you picture the God of the universe coming to this earth and saying, listen, I didn't come so people could serve me. I came to be a servant. And even more than that, I'm going to go to the cross and sacrifice my life. See, if you're not willing to serve, if you're not willing to sacrifice, you can't walk in the footsteps of Jesus because that is primarily who he was, a servant, a suffering servant, a sacrificial servant servant who gave everything for you and for me now that's grit now that's guts now that's courage now that's determination to leave heaven to come to earth to go through torture and pain on the cross to die for you and for i man that is powerful and so who would we be to think that we could follow jesus without expecting to sacrifice a little bit without expecting to serve a little bit, without expecting to to lay our lives down from time to time. See, our desire to to be a church that that is gritty, that is centered in this gospel grit, is simply a desire to follow our master. So as we think about the gospel, as we think about the mission that God's called us to, to invite people to find and follow Jesus together, it will take sacrifice on our part. But man, there's nothing greater than being on mission with God. So I want to invite you to to think about that, to pray about that. I want to invite you to to pray and to thank God for the sacrifice that he laid down for you and I on the cross. And maybe if you're here and you haven't actually accepted that, you haven't actually owned that, you haven't actually come to the place where you say, Jesus, I'm going to walk in your footsteps. Maybe today is the day where you say, all right, God, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to surrender my life to you and truly follow you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you a chance to do that, and then we're going to worship.